Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. You're listening to DraftKings Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo and Golik. Michael Jr., Michael Sr., bearded Emerson Lazio holding it down in the DraftKings studios in Boston. <laughs> we are brought to you by Wrangler, made for the ride of life. Save 15% on your first Wrangler.com order by using promo code GOJO15. Great show as always. Make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review, leave us a five-star rating, and check us out right here live Monday through Friday on DraftKingsNetwork.com, DraftKings YouTube channel, Samsung TV Plus, Roku, and others. Uh, Gino Stone, Ravens defensive back, going to join us in this show. Talk about what it's like to be on a really cool war machine defense right now that has things rolling. They're leading the NFL in sacks. They just shut down the Lions last week. Life is pretty good. Dad, I saw a stunned face from you as I rolled through all the places that people can see us. What's your concern this morning? Well, I mean, I was looking at, at Emerson and you and your beards look good this morning, and Thank I'm you. still in search of the perfect beard trimmer, and I have not found it yet. Oh. Something oh. that will work for me to, to go all the way to the skin on some parts and then just take it to a certain level on other parts. I'm probably on my third or fourth try, and this the one I have now is okay, but I need a better one. And I don't, you know, and I just I you, you I both of yours today just kind of I went, wow, okay, they look pretty pretty good, pretty tight. Yeah. And I and I don't yeah, I don't yeah, have do. those I don't have those tools just yet. Yeah, they do. Well, uh, any of the various shaving sponsors on our program, right? Are great. And hey, we love. Not we an ad. Get you right. Not, not a. Not, not an ad. Not but an ad. Be. But I'm pretty sure we do <laughs> Harry's Razors ads on this show, and so uh, <laughs> they keep me looking pretty good. But Dad, I have noticed that about your game. My father spent the first 30 years of my life without a beard. Never wore one. My mom made fun of him like once for having yep. facial hair or a mustache, mm -hmm. and yep. he never went back to nope. it there. And during the pandemic, decided to wear a beard. And now the world doesn't realize why he was ever allowed to walk around with a naked face. But I have noticed, Dad, you continually trim it down too far. You get oh. to almost fully shaved face at this point. You need to get basically hair clippers like you would use for your head. And you yeah. got to throw it on a two. I have found a two is the perfect two. length to get okay. it down to a beard that still shows up. Because you've also got the gray in your beard. And you're not going to just ferment this because I know that's not in your tool no. bag. No. So you no. need to account for the fact that you got the gray beard. So you got to let that ride a little bit longer. Or else you're going to look like you got a half and half face. So right I, figured, I figured that out. That the, the gray part, the shorter you cut it, the more transparent than your face looks. Yeah, right? color you wheel. Know, it's a crazy yeah. thing. Yeah, so I, I think you're right. You know, I need to, to let it go a little more. I got to give that a shot. Uh, yep. Yeah, ever since COVID is when I started this, all of a sudden, you know, your mother looked at me like I was drop dead sexy. So oh, I said, okay, I'm never, yeah, well, big okay. man. She, she is upstairs just cringing right yeah, now. I was going to say, say she that. wasn't just the one that did it, Emerson. No. It was all of my female colleagues at ESPN, <laughs> Katie Nolan, L. Duncan, Mina Kimes. The term zaddy started getting thrown around way more often than I was comfortable with. Yeah, uh, Golik, good for you, man, with your wife finding you sexy with a beard. Mine continues no. to remind me how much of a crackhead I look like when I have a beard. Although I've started cleaning it up a little bit. I'm new to the beard game, okay? So I yeah. could take... It looks good, though. <laughs> it, well, the thing is, you have no you have no gray in it either yet. So oh, there, looks, if you get close it, enough, they, they are coming in. That's the thing. You can see it all coming in, like, but, all over my head. But still, from this from looking at you, it, it doesn't. Mm -hmm. and, and I do have to... Mike, you're right. Closer I have to take closer. that consideration yeah, that... Go. The gray uh, doesn't doesn't pop like the, but I'm not changing it. I, I, yes, I'm not, uh, you know, coloring it at all. And and let me make it perfectly perfectly clear. I don't know if my wife thinks I'm drop dead sexy. At least I do. She wants. Yeah, that. I think I think well, that's I do, what buddy. people were really worried about. Yeah, with that, that point of clarification. <laughs> yeah. Not sure if senior's wife is attracted to him. <laughs> and once again, now that we veered into the territory yeah, of sorry. figuring out what my mom does or doesn't oh. like attractive on <laughs> my father, I'm instead going to veer to a source of beard product uh information that we can all rely on here ryan fitzpatrick is an analyst on thursday night yeah. football. that's a thing that happened last night we will get to fixing the nba's rest policy we will get to looking <laughs> ahead for the world series we will get to 
a full 1989 Taylor's version breakdown because fellas, oh, I didn't boy. stay up late for nothing last night. Oh, Congrats, boy. baby. Congrats. But instead, yeah, I know it was a big night for me. It was a big <laughs> night for me. Man, she did her thing on those vault oh, tracks. Boy. It really, okay. it's, I got a lot of personal connection <laughs> to 1989, but I also had a lot of personal connection to that Bills win against the Bucks last night, Dad, because this feels more like a Bucks win because they end up getting the late cover touchdown. The Bills win 24 to 18. The Bucks cover late. And Dad, I watched this game and I felt two things at once. I felt one, like, oh, as we talked yesterday about the Buffalo Bills and their Super Bowl hopes with a roster that's sort of breaking down around them, injuries in the defensive side right. of the football, and offensively, the inconsistency that sometimes comes with playing down to your opponent. I saw an offense that, all right, didn't have Dawson Knox out there, only had one tight end on the active roster in Dalton Kincaid, making things work. Gabe Davis wore a bunch of different hats. He went out there and ended up being their second leading receiver. Yep. And on a day where you've gotten good Gabe Davis, this Buffalo team always tends to look so different. I think it's the most confounding thing about them is sometimes Gabe Davis looks like a competent num number two receiver. They also had Khalil Shakir yeah, go and yeah. lead the team in yards. But then other days he completely disappears and is a non-factor. So it's trying to balance that. Also with the thing that was more concerning to me, Dad, was the complete lack of aggressiveness from Sean McDermott in this game. going for, or Refusing to go for it right. on two fourth downs in plus territory. And I looked at that and went, all right, they understood that they could win this game. Their punter was having a night down in balls inside the five-yard line. But this is the kind of thing that we've seen hurt the Bills in the past in the postseason. And when I look around at the other AFC teams they're constantly competing with, I worried once again in seeing this that this lack of aggressiveness, this conservative style, is going to be a thing that could potentially cost them when the margins are a lot smaller. Well, that's the thing. And you said it there, when the margins are a lot smaller, basically in the playoffs when you're down to one and go home. You know, right now you have a next week. And you're right about spread it out. Six different receivers catching a ball. Shakir, you mentioned he led the way with over 90 yards, six receptions. Davis and Diggs both had nine receptions. Dalton Kincaid had five in the touchdown as well. So that's where I think uh, Josh Allen feels most comfortable in spreading it around. And I'd be interested to know from the players with the truth serum, because they're not going to come out and talk about it publicly, of what their thought is. Because there are players that know to basically just stay on the field because your team is going to go for it, right? Certain coaches just have that attitude. And with Sean McDermott, I was surprised. I was surprised that he wasn't. Uh, more aggressive in those situations. Listen, it worked in this one, but and it was a win, and and there's no there's no ranking in the pro, so really it doesn't matter. But you sit there and break down games anyway, and they they scored all their points in the first three quarters. But Tampa Bay does get back in this game with a with a late touchdown. Then they do have a hail mary in the air. By the way, I can't remember the last time I saw a hail mary hit the ground with nobody touching it. I mean, nobody. there was like a void in the middle of, of the groups of players to catch it, and it just dropped right in the middle of it. Godwin, I think, was the closest one to it. So kudos to well, the Buffalo it, players maybe for boxing out a little bit like that. But boxing I can't out? Those were purge rules on that whatever. play. There hey, was whatever. I know you, assault going yeah. on hey, on what, that Hail get, Mary if, attempt. Has anyone ever thrown a flag on a Hail no, Mary? I'm pretty sure shouldn't. I saw two of those guys get stabbed. And you shouldn't, and you shouldn't throw a flag because what defensive guys are doing, offensive guys are doing to try and get open. So that's a free-for-all play, and I'm all for it. I have no problem with it, but I rarely have I seen a ball just flat out hit the ground with nobody even touching it, but that's, that's how this one ended. Yeah, no, it ended uh, on a fist fight of a Hail Mary attack yeah. there. But, it, 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 Dad, you talk about the players' thoughts of this because – I saw a clip the other day of Nick Sirianni and Jalen Hurts in the middle of the Eagles game talking about the fourth and ones, and right. Nick Sirianni had Jalen coming over to the sideline and hear the audio where he goes, I went for it there because I believe in you, and Jalen Hurts says you should, and we all yep. go, man, yep. that's tough football guy right. stuff. We love that. Feed me more of that. But, Dad, there is part of that that 
I was looking at that for the Buffalo offense, who we saw the crowd, and God love you Buffalo Bills fans for being this in tune. Because early in that game, Dad, what do we see? Down on the goal line, the Buffalo yeah. Bills have a third and one, and they opt to go and throw a pass towards the side that gets knocked down, and it's the right, or sorry, it was fourth and one. Fourth they go one. for it, yeah. they throw a pass to the outside, it gets batted down, and it's the right decision to go for it, but as we always talk about with fourth down politics, it's not just, hey, are you making the right decision? It's, are you calling the right play? And two series later, the Bills had a third and one, probably around their own 40, and they got up under center, and it wasn't quite a tush-push, but it was close. It was the normal one we see where it's just Josh Allen under center. Right. Nobody sneak, pushing him, And he right. gets like an assist from one guy late in that. I think Gabe Davis might have come in and given him a little shove at the end. And they get it, and the Bills crowd has this mix of cheers and jeers because they're like, where was that down on the goal line yeah. when we had the chance to score earlier? And and in these other two situations, one was a fourth and five, but you're in plus territory where I'm like, all right, maybe I can concede that's a little bit too rich for a defensive head coach's blood. But the next one was a four and two. And if I'm the offense, I am palpably frustrated because you have got a chance to win the game on your yep. terms. What that Hail Mary at the end was emblematic of to me, Dad, was what you open yourself up to right. when you decide not to dictate the terms of victory. Instead, you give them an opportunity. Now, the Bucks decided to run four minute off offense on their touchdown drive it took a weird amount of time they were going late into the play clock it was an ugly slog of a drive but the bottom line is they still had an opportunity to win that game on the last play because you refused to go and snatch victory from the jaws of that game in a way that was confounding to me and no. reeked of defensive head coach who said before the game we want to play more complimentary football complimentary football means definitely not putting your defense in a terrible situation. I get maybe not going for it on fourth and one from your own 30 like the Eagles did, right, but right. there's a balance in that of showing your offense, hey, we believe you can move the ball in pressure situations, and they didn't last night. But there's also the side, Mike, that, that I have to still go with the, the sit there, going to say the old school train of thought. The Bucks had 10 points until the fourth quarter. So there's a fact also of field position – Let's let's change field position. Their punter, by the way, I think it was Sam Martin, had three punts inside the 10. So also it's not a 35-32 game where where I think then no doubt you want to keep your offense on the on the field and try and regain control and don't let the other offense get it because they're moving. But they had 10 points. So I mean, there's also the side of trusting your defense, playing a field position game, and saying, we've held them to 10 points. Our defense is playing pretty good in this situation. So th there's that part of complimentary football I, I somewhat agree with still, and a lot of it is game dependent. And in this one, they were holding Tampa Bay from the from the end zone. They were, and then they gave them enough opportunities over and over again to where they finally found the end zone, and then they almost found it on the last play. Like, that's my thing is, yes, you've been able to keep them under your boot the entire night. Why would you keep giving them more lottery tickets and more chances to do this instead of going out there and finishing the games on your turn, instead of letting your offense that's got one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL who was dialed in last night? Like, Josh Allen looked great last night. 31 of 40 for 324, two touchdowns passing, one rushing touchdown. They got him involved in the ground game early. It was all of the best parts of Josh Allen that you had last night, and you had that version show up to the party, and you're not willing to empower him to go out and get you two Two yards with a chance to ice the game that to me is concerning I, I listen we'll, we'll we'll disagree some on that I'm going to go on more the context of the game and if my defense is playing well even though I'm giving the other team opportunities they've been stopping them I get it and, and it, it's it's a percentage play right of where you want to give the other team the ball if you don't make it as opposed to making it an ice in the game I get what you're saying and I get most of the NFL is going to be aggressive today uh, in doing that, but I still, there's part of me that still understands the other side of it. And guys, they, guess, and Allen's, yeah. they used his legs a lot more last night, and we've seen them in the past few years, like when he has that threat of running the football, like this team is better, which is why it blew my mind 
when they had that third and one, going back to that red zone failure in the first or se- I think it was the first quarter, and then they had fourth and one to start the second quarter. Why they didn't just decide to do the quarterback sneak and Ken Dorsey be a little more aggressive there instead of running Cook and then going to that pass to the flat here? Like that's yeah. not going to work against these better football teams that are on this schedule. Like coming that up. I agree with Mike. I, if you're going to do it, then the play call involved, you know, in yeah. it has got to be better. Well, I completely and- agree with that. And, Dad, you've been harping on this all year and this idea of taking rushing attempts off Josh Allen. There are certain quarterbacks, and Josh Allen always reminds me of Cam Newton in this way. He talked, Amazon did a, a really interesting piece on Josh Allen and some of the things that he had said in the press conference before. And he was a guy that seemed to be trying to control his emotions <laughs> right. a lot yep. more. Uh, you know, he had some weird optimism term that he talked about that sounded like made up therapy speak, but it, it, it's. A guy, and they highlighted this in the pregame, that is at his best when he is feeding into the emotions. And part of that is he always reminds me of Cam Newton, where Cam Newton, every time he got an early rushing attempt in a game, it was like the wind immediately got put in his sails. Like that was exactly what he needs to get the juices flowing. And every player needs something different. We hear coaches talk about how, all right, well, my quarterback needs to get hit at the beginning of the game. That's how he feels the most in tune. Or we need to get him an easy swing pass. For Josh, it's a rushing attempt. He is like Cam in that way. And so I loved seeing that last night, which is fine early and Emerson brought up the thing I am most worried about is I'm not worried about what they do strategically to beat the Buccaneers but what you do what you do like in these situations is usually habits you're building for all the time and I worry about what are you going to do against the Chiefs or the Ravens or the other quality teams on your schedule that are inclined to take more risks that are more equal to you talent wise and all of a sudden are now going to have that edge there too that's the kind of stuff that in the postseason wins you or loses you games it was part of what lost them in the postseason in 21 and so those are the things i'm concerned long term not about their ability to beat the bucks listen to me if if baltimore if the buffalo we saw philadelphia last year if they're going to win their quarterbacks are going to have to run that's what i've said and i'll continue to say it i know they want to make lamar run less and that's fine to a point and pass more but when you get in the playoffs and it's win or go home, you're going to trust that guy's leg. Listen, Jalen Hurts right now is averaging, he's got 74 runs in seven games. So quick math, that tells you that's 10 a game. And that's how you're going to win with those guys is with their arm, I get it. But they are going to have to run, which means they're going to put themselves in harm's way. Even though for Lamar Jackson, he got hurt in the pocket, not running. Now there was a concern last night in this game in the second quarter when Josh Allen had to go in the blue tent for a shoulder injury. And that's that's the concern you get, you know, a bit is when you get hit and, and going forward, we're getting in the area of the halfway point of the season. And, you know, you're going to you start to have the lingering injuries and depends on body part. Like you look at Deshaun Watson, that injury is a rotator cuff of the throwing shoulder. So it's going to keep him out a little bit longer. But I, I, I've said at the beginning of the year and I'll say it now and I'll say it at the end of the year. Teams that are going to win that have quarterbacks that can run are going to have to run to win the ultimate prize they're going for. Yeah, my, my point was more about fourth down attempts, though, and like aggressiveness in critical situations, though. I get that there. I do laugh, though, because I just went to look it up to see if this would support my information. And and, and uh, statistically, it does not. The Chiefs actually tied for dead last with the 49ers in fourth down attempts on the year. So I was ah, not prepared okay. for that to show ah. up. But we know and have seen in the past that Andy Reid is not obviously not averse to a high-risk fourth no. down situation and even calling plays for his backup quarterbacks at time in those spots. So the Lions, for what it's worth, number one in fourth down attempts with 16. And the Eagles, obviously. I'm stunned yeah. it's not the Eagles, but they are uh, tied for third with 14 attempts on fourth down. So something to keep in mind there, but uh, – Dad, as we kind of wax and wane back and forth between the Jekyll and Hyde versions of this Buffalo Bills team, definitely the best version of it last night. So they get a much-needed win. The Buccaneers on the other side. Uh, Dad, I think you just saw some of the limitations that come with that roster in its current form right now. The offensive line, young inside, a lot of procedural penalties for them that screwed them up in pivotal moments there. I think uh, one of their offensive guards, I think it was Luke Gedeke, ended up with three offsides penalties in the game. So you had a lot of those things that were shooting you in the foot on, dri- on drives. It it was hard to get Mike Evans as involved in the game as he wanted to be there. Shout out to him. I saw the interview with Taylor Rooks where he said he's a Harry Potter guy. So yeah. <laughs> hats off to him for having a Harry Potter themed tattoo. But I, I just think we talked about this Buccaneers team, Dad. Baker Mayfield is 
I think the perfect guy to shepherd them through this middle ground and this time after Tom Brady. But you also just saw there's only so much that they can do right now. And last night they ran into a team that's just talent-wise at a different place that they are. Yeah, and the thing is, the the most they can do right now, and they could still win their division, right? Because it's the NFC South, and we yes. have no idea you know, how that one's going to turn out. So they could have enough to win it, but I agree with you. They're limited in where they're going to go until – some changes happen at some of the other positions that, you know, after this year, which we'll get to. And you mentioned penalties. They had 11 penalties. Uh, Buffalo had nine in this. So it was not a clean game by any stretch of the imagination. Pretty sloppy in that respect. Nope. But again, not a single one of those flags hit the dirt when it was time to chuck that Hail Mary up. Nor should they. (laughs) Dad's Hail Mary policy and my kneel down policies. We've all got our kinks in the world of sports and we have stumbled on ours here. Coming up next though, I actually had to turn the TV to the NBA last night, and in it, I think I found the solution to Adam Silver's concerns about the resting policy around the association. We'll get to that next here on Gojo and Golik. Hey, Dad, what do you do when you're out with friends? The waiter comes up and tries to take everybody's order, but the whole table freezes up, and everyone's looking at each other trying to find some help. Mm, That's a great question. So what, what should I do? You should have some confidence, Dad, or as our friends at Jägermeister call it, shotfidence. If everyone's having trouble ordering, here's what you do. You take charge. You grab the bull by the horns. You find that dog in you, and you make an executive decision. And just order for the table a round of ice-cold Jägermeister shots. Damn, that's cold. Because apparently, we've all been drinking Jägermeister wrong. Did not know that. How should we be drinking it? Glad you asked, Dad. We should be drinking it ice-cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit. Well, that brings up other things that I love ice cold as well. And I'll tell you right out of the gate, that's going to be a candy bar pulled out of the freezer. That's my way of eating candy. Oh, I love it. On the golf course out there, you get to the turn in the middle of the round there and you get to that little clubhouse there and they've always got the candy bar options. And I always see they've usually got a little box of them in the freezer and it always makes it better on a hot day out on the golf course, taking a bite of that cold, cold chocolate and getting ready to go for the rest of my round. It's the same way with Jägermeister. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Okay, game time has officially arrived in Milwaukee. So one month after the blockbuster trade that ended his Trailblazers tenure, Dame Lillard goes off. Last night, 39 points, eight boards, four assists, zero turnovers in his Bucks debut, leading his team to a one-point victory, 118-117 over the James Harden-less 76ers to open the season. So dude scored the team's final 11 points. Here are the guys and what they had to say after Dame decided to cook and feast down the stretch. I think anytime your your team is encouraging you to to be yourself and do what you do when it's so early, uh, it helps. But, um, you know, I think uh, I've had enough conversations with guys, um, especially with Giannis, where I know I came in knowing what was expected of me, you know, when these type of situations came. And um, I've been enough enough of those situations where I know it's probably not going to always be me making a shot or taking a shot. But, um, you know, they, they're they encouraging me to be the person to take control and make decisions and, um, you know, decide what's going to happen in those moments. And uh, that's that's what I'm here to do. It's, that's trust, you know. He's, he's got to build that trust, you know. He has to know that whenever he has the hot hand down the stretch, we're going to find him and we're going to give him the ball for him to operate, to make plays for himself and to make plays for the team. Uh, and that's what he did tonight. That's what was, why we were able to get the win. All right, well, as far as first impressions go here, Gojo, it would have been difficult for Lillard to deliver a better one, correct? Yeah, and you mentioned the stat line. Dad, to me, the most important part of this and the part that fit in seamlessly right away, and to me, if I'm a Bucks fan, I am the most excited about. Damian Lillard scored the team's final 11 points yeah. in the fourth quarter. Giannis has always, I think, been at his best, and their championship season at his best. 
when he had a multifaceted offensive mm-hmm. weapon that he could throw the ball to in the fourth quarter who could do a lot. And Damian Lillard took over for what usually was Chris Middleton in the waning moments of right. those games. Drew Holiday certainly helped, but Chris Middleton and what he can do off the dribble creating for himself – Dame is just the souped-up version of that, and I think it allows Giannis to continue to do the things that he's best at without having to shoulder the load. It's the perfect fit as far as skill sets and critical moments in this game, and I think going forward for what they're trying to do. Well, I mean, we see that now in the NBA. You need two to three of those guys, right, to, to win a championship, to be able to rely on somebody else so the, the heavy load doesn't fall always on one guy. But you think at the end it would fall on the, you know, the Giannis Antetokounmpo's of the, of the world, of which – by the way, there's just one, but you know what I mean—the star. So it's great. It's great to have another one. I mean, here's a here's another one where they blew a 19. This is the NBA, right? They have a 19 point lead in this game, oh, yeah. and that lead goes away, which which means nothing in the NBA. But with a little under four minutes left, Dame hits a three and puts them up. Uh, I think it was 105, 104. And that was the lead for good. They go on an 11-0 run there, but Philly does go on a 7-0 run coming back. And it's another two-point game at one point, and Dame hits another three with a little over a minute to go. So he was that clutch guy. And, and again, just like we talked with um, um, with um, uh, Chris Ops over in Boston, Porzingis, he was in a debut. He scored the most in franchise history in debut. Dame did the same thing in the Milwaukee franchise by scoring the most in a debut last night with 39. But, yeah, I mean – this is exactly what Giannis was talking about when he, you know, they better do something. We got to do something, and you know they do, and they make him happy, and then you know they make him happy again by giving him sixty-two million dollars a year. So he's really, really happy now. But boy, what a running mate he has! What what a terrible thing for Joel Embiid to have to see in Game One. Oh my God! About how one organization oh. has gone about providing for its superstar player. And he's sitting there wondering when and how James Harden might ever reintegrate with this team. Uh, Dad, for all the rumors that we saw, the weird whispers about the Knicks monitoring the happiness of Joel Embiid and the 76ers right now and all the cryptic stuff surrounding that, I would get it. If I'm another team, I'd be poking around to see if there's trouble in paradise over there. Because how could there not be if you're Joel Embiid watching the way everybody else has help right now? Like on a night where we're going to talk about overall, especially when we get to the Lakers game the benefit of having your star players out there in terms of the league Adam Silver and company have spent all this time effort and resources finding ways to change around the structure of the awards at the end of the season and the way that they can penalize teams for stars sitting out I get it because watching them beat and Giannis go at it last night was awesome the amount of times that we got to see one-on-one matchups of those two guys down in the block making pivotal plays in this game and then you realized oh at some point in the fourth quarter Giannis had Damian Lillard to go yeah. and kick the ball to. And Joel Embiid, Tobias Harris played really well in this game. I know they love Tyrese Maxey, but Maxie. it's just not the yeah. same. And it, so it, yeah. I think at some point there has to be a certain level of frustration for Joel Embiid realizing yet again they're wasting more of his prime years. Yeah, Ma- I do like Maxey, Tyrese Maxey. He ended up taking the most shots. He led the way with 31 points. But, you know, you still need a guy in the area of, of Harden, but, you know, not a guy who disappears in the playoffs like Harden. And real quickly – the league was looking at already yeah. the the situation because they've come in and said now no no this load management stuff no no enough of this you know as you mentioned with now with awards 65 games and and we're going to fine you if guys are just sitting out and they're not hurt so they were looking into this because James Harden is not hurt but i mean you look at the situation no matter the reason he was gone whether they say personal matters and it was excused or he just disappeared he was gone for 10 days, missed the last preseason game, barely practiced practiced a couple times before that, then is gone for 10 days, shows up and actually wanted to get on the plane, and they said, no, listen, I get this. The guy, the yeah. guy is not going to be in any kind of game shape to go no, he play. He had one scrimmage with the yeah, 76ers that's in his it. time back there in camp. Yeah, so I get it. I get their reasoning, and they're probably pissed at him too, I would imagine. Yeah. But still, 
You know, even if you put that in a vacuum and said, guy misses all this time and then is not going to play in game one, I would get it. I mean, the dude's going to be gassed. You could open yourself up to injury, but obviously they're dealing with a hell of a lot more in Philadelphia than just a guy who missed 10 days for personal reasons and we're still not sure what went on and we know there's a battle going on there. This is my solution, though, is we still had fun last night in that game with just Joel Embiid as the 76er star out there. And in the late game with the Lakers and the Suns, while we didn't have uh, Devin Booker or Bradley Beal in that game because of injury, we still had fun because it was LeBron versus Kevin Durant. So Adam Silver and company, I think, really just need to whittle it down to you just need one star from each team out there. It'd preferably be nice to be the right stars out there. But, Dad, underscoring exactly what Adam Silver has been worried about this is the stat about the second game that blew my mind. LeBron James and Kevin Durant had not faced each other on an NBA court since Christmas of 2018. Yeah. Like, that is insane that between all the different load management, injury, health, and safety, I get that not all of that is just load management. There's a ton of factors. But that's what we're talking about here. Two of the biggest stars in the NBA and two guys that have been linked for a long time hadn't played in five years. That can't happen. And... uh Emerson, uh, it was very quickly apparent that LeBron James, uh, even at this point in his career, could still make things happen in that game last night. It was awesome. Yeah, for sure. And also Anthony Davis, 30 points, 13 rebounds here for the Lakers. We're talking about the same Anthony Davis as well, who was heavily criticized after he scored zero points in the second half against Denver in the season opener. But James made it known here, Gojo, that after Davis's bounce back performance last night, that the Lakers have his back. We don't give a about criticism about AD. We don't care. Nothing bothers us. Nothing. We don't. AD doesn't care. I don't know if guys have figured that out. AD does not care. He's, he's not on social media, so he doesn't see none of the crap. He rarely talks unless it's us. So we don't. We don't give a about it. And he definitely doesn't. He's going to do his job, and we happy to have AD. I mean, LA is going <laughs> to go as far, only as far as AD takes them, in my opinion. Yeah, with, with, without a doubt. And again, the question to LeBron there was, what did you think about the criticism of AD mm-hmm. in the first game and not scoring in the second half? And and LeBron took his took his shot there to say, you know, what 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 they they all think of people uh, and their opinions about it. But listen, so we talked about the twenty eight to thirty minutes that LeBron was going to be on, but they said uh, a minute uh, per game he was going to play him. But then they said, well, wait a minute. We'll, we'll it'll go game by game. He goes 35 minutes last night, plays the entire fourth quarter to help uh, the, the uh, Lakers get that win. Yeah, it's always going to be up in the air, and that's quietly the biggest concern. While he says they don't care about the criticism of Anthony Davis, he still has not shown consistently that he can be the guy they can rely on to be the center stage of that program. And when LeBron was off the court, it was the same old problem for them where it's really hard to come by offense being initiated. So concerns still mounting for the Los Angeles Lakers. Coming up next, though, we got a lot of concerns across college football between Michigan and everybody else getting set to take the field this weekend next. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And now that the Boston Celtics have slayed the boogeyman in the Miami Heat, Boston fans will feel a little bit more confident about the situation. You can decide right now, and if you're new to DraftKings, you can also check this out. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code GOJO. That's code GOJO for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. All right, time to turn our attention to the college football game with our Modelo College Football Weekend Preview brought to you by Modelo, the mark of a fighter. So six teams ranked in the AP Top 25 in the Pac-12. So that conference, RIP in peace, having Mm. one of its best seasons ever here, man. And it has the marquee matchup 
of week nine as well, Gojo. We're talking number eight, Oregon, visiting number 13, Utah. That's a 3.30 kickoff. Game day is going to be there tomorrow from the Beehive State in Salt Lake City. I know this one gets your man juices flowing, does it not? It does indeed get my man juices flowing. And it, you know what it, it does? It seems cruel that in the final year of the Pac-12, where every other day I got to open up ESPN.com or Yahoo or one of these sites and see another headline about how Oregon State and Washington State are trying to file an injunction against the rest of the Pac-12 yeah. for controlling what's going to happen business-wise for them going forward. They're fighting the good fight. They're over here. Oregon State, by the way, also having a phenomenal yes, season right are. now. Washington State's had some big wins mixed in there too. And at the same time the conference is getting as much or more coverage than we have seen in the you know almost decade that I've now been covering the sport as a part of the media like dad it has never looked like this we're between the attention Colorado brought USC being back Oregon Washington Utah all these actual good teams inside the conference it has been wild to watch well, and it culminates with this matchup that is listen imperfect dad because we know for Utah, last week we got the news that Brent Keithy, their great tight end, Cam Rising, their quarterback that we have been waiting, will he, won't he come back this season, aren't going to be there. But they're coming off a win against USC and Caleb Williams, so I think there's some belief by some people that maybe Utah has enough to party in this game. What say you? I don't, I don't think so. I mean, they put up 34 against USC, but USC's defense is not very good. We've known that for the entire season. Uh, I don't know how they deal with the depth on the Oregon defensive line. Bo Nix has not been sacked a lot this year. And, and, and it's always when you talk Utah, you talk about their defense. So can this defense hold down this Oregon offense? Because Utah cannot go score for score with Oregon. They, they, they can't do it. They can't. Uh, to me, they can't win a high-scoring game because I don't think they can put up as much. Like I said, they did against USC because their defense is not as good. I love what the Pac-12 has been doing. All you can say is a damn shame that this that this conference is is breaking up. Um, it's just horrible for what's going on, but it's the reality, and we just all have to deal with it. Uh, but I, I just don't see Utah hanging here. I think Oregon just has too much. I think Oregon is so ready and understanding of week by week to get back to facing Washington for the Pac-12 championships and a shot at the playoffs. I don't see uh, Utah getting in the way. I'll, I'll take Oregon. I'll even give the six and a half too. Yeah, part of me, I, I think out of respect for Utah and Kyle Whittingham, six and a half points, almost a touchdown just seems like too much, especially yeah. at home at Utah. That is such a tough environment to play in. Usually you think of it in night game terms. I would probably give you uh, take Utah with the points there, but I do think Oregon wins. I think you mentioned the, the keys for me. The lines of scrimmage, they're built the right way. Even in the Washington game that they lost, that showed up in a big-time way. Utah going to be shorthanded on defense yet again. Injury bug has hit them plenty this season. Lander Barton, one of their great linebackers, out after that USC game where he was sensational even in the body of that. And so I, I – I'm glad Utah is getting their flowers after that USC game because they deserve it. Kyle Whittingham has had that program back-to-back -back Pac-12 champions, an absolute machine, but I think they're running into an Oregon team that right now in this point in its life cycle in year two in Dan Lanning is just too much. Dad, let's do some cocktail stuff. I don't yeah. think we call it the cocktail party anymore, but Emerson, as a Jacksonville guy down here, how dude. much does this mean, by the way, down in that down in that area, the it's cocktail huge, party? Dude. We've been down there for it before. Yeah. I remember when we were doing Golik and Wingo, we had Tim Tebow, who's a Jacksonville native, in there to talk yep. about it. But this still, even though Florida, especially not at the place we're used to seeing that program, still has such a big feel to yeah, it. Yeah, man, and it's one of those rivalry games. I know it's a neutral site. That is, it is no matter how good or bad each side is, it is such a split stadium in there. Half of it will be red, half of it will be orange and blue. But I tell you what, it's a massive deal in Jacksonville. Has been since day one. Even in college, when I was at UCF. I would not care about whatever game was happening in Orlando. We would all stuff ourselves inside like a wind star, drive up to Jacksonville, <laughs> and we would sit there and we would party. And we would hang out all day. Like people drive their RVs in from Georgia, from Gainesville. The entire week they're camped out there in the parking lot at Alltel Stadium or whatever the hell the sponsor is there in Jacksonville. <laughs> and they yeah. would just they would just cook out. They drink all freaking day long, man. All week long. I love it. It's my kind of people.
It is an incredible atmosphere for this game. Unfortunately, I don't know if the game is going to match it. Uh, Dad, Georgia, I, I don't know, man. They're missing that tight game. end now, that stud yeah, tight Brock, end of theirs. Yeah, Brock Bowers out 14 and a half. I may not give the 14 and a half, but I, I, I'm, I'm kind of waffling on that. I think at the end of the day, I will. Florida will have to play the game of their season by far, by far and away to be in this game. Uh, and, and I, I don't know if they can do that. I think Georgia runs a little bit more, runs some in this game. Uh, they beat them pretty well last year. The nation's top offense at over 500 yards a game. I, I just, while I get the rival, I get everything about this game. I think, they, I think Georgia's just such a step above Florida. And I, I think they eventually just kind of pull away in this game. I'm actually going to give the points. I'm going to give the 14 and a half. I am too. This is uh, Emerson said the headline of this game is what does the offense look like without Brock Bowers, who's been the do it all everything piece. He's not just a tight end. He's their most versatile offensive weapon. And so how Mike Bobo, their offensive coordinator, goes about offsetting that I think has a clear answer in this game because Florida statistically one of the better defenses in the country or was early in the season will probably be the best secondary that Georgia's faced so far. But they can be had on the ground. And that's where George is getting healthy right now. We remember the Ray Davis Kentucky game where he ran for like a school record 280 yards against the Florida Gators, the South Carolina running back. And then they gave up 150 yards on the ground to South Carolina a week ago. Kendall Milton, the running back for Georgia, has been getting healthier lately. I think this is a good opportunity. A lot like they did against Kentucky, by the way, for Georgia to lean on the ground game a little bit, get some production there against the defense that can be had there. I'll take Georgia. I'll give the points there as well. Dad, the last one on the slate for us here, Tennessee at Kentucky. The <laughs> others right now in the F- uh, yeah. SEC, we've got Georgia and Missouri who are going to play next weekend, who are one and two in there right now. Tennessee leads the SEC in rushing per game. Kentucky is the second best rush defense in the SEC. Dad, we saw them get blowed out by Georgia yep. and Tennessee give one away in the second half against Bama last week. Uh, Kentucky getting three and a half in this game, Dad. Who do you like? You know, you see last year, Tennessee blew them out 44 to six. That was with Hendon Hooker. Tennessee doesn't have that explosive offense by any stretch this year. This game, I think the more important question here is betting the over under on time of the game. Hour 45, two hours. I mean, this is going to be a running (laughs) option game. Yeah. I mean, for, for Kentucky, it's Ray Davis. For Tennessee, it's the three headed monster they have in the backfield there. It is going to be a running fest. That clock is going to continue move and move and move. You're going to look up and they're going to say it's halftime. You're going to be going, what? How is that even possible? Uh, but I, I like Tennessee in this one. Uh, and and again, all these games, I, I'm giving all of them. I, I'm giving the three and a half on this one. Again, not going to be the aerial attack we saw last year. Going to be a ground game. Going to be a, a a lineman's dream on both sides of the ball. One side trying to move you, the other try, side trying to beat their guy one on one, and just a mosh pit in the middle. Yeah, and, and I do think when push comes to shove, because both these teams, like you said, really capable rushing offenses, two of the best, and doing it in different ways. In the SEC, Kentucky also really good rush defense, though, uh, up front. They got some big old boys that can go clang and bang. I'm most worried about if this comes down to a quarterback battle. Joe Milton coming off one of his better games of the season, at least in the first half against Alabama last week, turned back into a pumpkin a bit. Devin Leary has been a bit of a disappointment since coming over from NC State this season. In his last four games, Leary's competed 47.5% of his passes and averaging just 5.16 yards per attempt, which is by far last in the SEC among quarterbacks there. So if it comes down to it, I'll trust Milton. I'm with you. I'll take Tennessee. I'll give the points. And we'll march into a weekend where I am just going to pray to any God that will listen that Notre Dame, who's like a three-touchdown favorite against Pitt, manages to avoid the thing that usually happens happens when we Don't play pit which yep. is the super weapon charging and something wild going off yep. here i'm yeah. the most worried that any person has ever been with their team favored by three scores it's not healthy but this is my <laughs> lot in life wow uh, <laughs> we're coming up next we'll turn our attention oh by the way the world series gets started tonight let's see what's going to happen next on gojo and Golik. We'll have Emerson take us through a little World Series tale of the tape here as we get set for game one starting tonight. But, uh, Dad, one more thing on the college football front. I have to imagine somewhere yesterday, Steve Levy oh, yeah. the table. <laughs> like, he had to destroy something. It had to look like Jesus in that temple getting buck. Because it was announced yesterday 
that the 2023 Bahamas Bowl will be played at Jerry Richardson Stadium on the campus of North Carolina due to the ongoing renovations in the Nassau Bahamas Stadium, Thomas A. Robinson Stadium, where the game is normally played. The name of the game will also be changed this year and announced in the coming weeks due to the fact that it will no longer be played in the Bahamas, oh. Dad. Steve Levy, one of the greatest things, I yep. believe had it worked into his contract yes. that he would call the Bahamas Bowl every year for ESPN. And so now, having to do that, I wonder if he shows up for the gig. I know Steve's a professional, but man, at some point when you sign up for the Bahamas Bowl and you're not getting delivered to the Bahamas, he's allowed to draw a line in the sand. Listen, nothing against Charlotte. Charlotte's a wonderful place, but it's not the Bahamas. And it's, it's the Bahamas not that, and North Carolina. It's not that yearly trip that you get. And behind the curtain a little bit, when we were both, Mike and I were at ESPN, we, you know, years and decades, I should say, ago, calling college games until, again, my, my last year at ESPN and Mike calling college games there, there was nothing like at the end of the year seeing which bowl game you were going to get assigned to, Right. Where you were going to get to go, was it going to be warm? Was it going to be cold? Like, you and I got to call the pinstripe bowl together one time. It was in New York. Oh, very cool God. that we were able to do it together, but very cool as in cold outside as well. We were freezing up there, but it was, again, cool to do it together. It would have been nice to do it in a warm city. But that that's kind of what, what the announcers are waiting for because, again, 40-some bowl games – you know, that you have to be distributed to. Where are you going? Where do you get to travel for these bowl games? And Levy has just had it so good going to the Bahamas every year. And the players, though. Like, the Bahamas yes. Bowl is a MAC Conference USA switch. So you've got guys at Midwest schools who are looking at this right now. Like, I can't tell you, at the end of the year, people always talk about bowl games as the reward. It kind of. Like, yeah. It Candy, depends on which yeah, one you're going yeah, to. Right. My freshman year, it was coming down to it at the very end. And we've seen some teams do these elaborate things where they'll show how they show the team which game they're going to end up going to. And this is no disrespect to Detroit, but my freshman year, it was coming down to the Hawaii Bowl or the then Motor City Bowl in Detroit. I mean, seriously. And I cannot tell you how different the mood would have been around that locker. We had buddies on our team from Detroit who were like, hey, we'll host you at the crib. We'll get you ready to go. The sigh of relief, the palpable sigh of relief, when it was announced that we were heading to Hawaii, and like Notre Dame, I think lost money on that trip. Oh, I, yeah. I, I'll be cra I'll yeah. be stunned if they ever go back. It was including the national championship, the best bowl game I've ever been to. It was so much fun. There are luau's every day. You're out there on the beach. Guys were taking surfing lessons. It's incredible, and so this makes a world of difference yeah, if you're a prospective athlete who all of a sudden is sitting there in December cold in the middle of Ohio, wondering, oh man, we just got to the Bahamas Bowl and then got bamboozled like a mother. And then we're yeah. going to Charlotte, baby. So you're telling me guys right now are definitely paying attention to this, or you think someone will be caught off guard? No, oh, I, I, I would, let's put it this way. I'm glad they're changing the name because I think they realize the cruelty of some people probably would miss this and all of a sudden yeah. if you're on the Bowl Selection Show this winter <laughs> yeah. and you see, oh, we got the Bahamas Bowl. And you go to Charlotte. Charlotte. Yeah. They <laughs> have to change what? the name, right? No. I mean, why are we, la are we doing an emergency landing in Charlotte? That's what, what I'm saying, here? dude. Yeah. Imagine, being, imagine being on that flight and it's like you just touched down and Charlotte, like, oh yeah, nice little quick layover here in the beautiful state of North Carolina. It's like, no, dude. Dude, we're staying here for the next we're playing. week. Yeah. And again, the Queen City's great. They're just not any luau's. I <laughs> right. think it's one right. of three Queen Cities, and it's one of my favorite Queen Cities. I've always said that, but man, I'm sorry. You guys got to try a lot harder to end up being Hawaii. I'm imagining the aesthetic of this game, by the way, Dad, looking like the Miami Grand Prix, where you've got all the fake palm trees and <laughs> the sand fake brought water, into the, the fake stadium. Water. They, they need to go all in and just... Do this like the Bad Boy Mowers Bowl was always my favorite because they'd put oh. a bunch of the mowers around different places yeah. and they would really lean into the identity of the bowl, the bowl game. RIP to the Bad Boy Mowers Gasparilla Bowl. But I feel like for this, they should lean into this. Whatever they name the game, it should have around the end zones and around the field all the accoutrements that make people think of the Bahamas. I, I still think one of the best things now talking about bowls for a quick second is when they had the competitions at the bowls and the mower oh. bowl, the Gasparilla Mower Bowl, when they had the, the races on the on the big lawnmowers. Yeah. I mean, how cool would that be? To be was, gassing around on those things. There was a kid who one year his dad owned a landscaping <laughs> company. And so growing up, this kid was waiting on these things. Yeah. And he absolutely cooked Smoked the opposing everybody. team. Everybody. 
Because there is no better feeling during bowl week than going out there and cooking your opponent in whatever competition they yeah. can muster up. That's the only thing I'm bummed about is I don't think we ever had a competition. You'll see somewhere it'll be a bowl game that's got a primary food sponsorship, and so they'll have them do an eating contest. Right, right, we right. saw the mower contest there. The only thing we had was Hawaii my freshman year at the Hawaii Bowl did the haka at us, and we had no reply to that at the dinner because there's nothing that our team was going to be able to do that no. was as cool as seeing the haka done at dinner. And then when we played the Miami Hurricane in the Sun Bowl in El Paso, oh. Marcus Forston, one of their D tackles, who was a five-star recruit, and I forget if he went on to any NFL acclaim, but he walked by us at dinner one night, and he looked at all of us with this like disgusted sneer, and guys have been talking crap. It's kind of what happens when you've got teams that are both together at these events, the bowl yeah. game, but he looked over at us and went, y'all dreamed of being Canes, and now look at you, and I'm like, we're at the same Sun Bowl yeah. in El Paso. <laughs> the same bowl. Guys I, I love that by the way. Oh, by the way, they came out of the out of the locker room. It was freezing cold, and they folded. They 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 had shrinkage immediately in the cold. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, listen. Both times yeah, we played up. Miami when I was in college, we beat yeah. that ass. But Smoked that's them. besides yeah. the point. Yeah. Jojo, is it too early to know uh, which bowl game you'll be calling? They'll probably tell you uh, later, right? I will. I will not be. I'm off during bowl season now, so I get to take bowl season in oh. as a fan of the sport, oh. which means, hey, Duke's Mayo Bowl. If you need daddy to come on home. Yeah, baby. Break out the Oreos. Uh (laughs) We can can go back and uh, rekindle that old flame here if y'all want to get frisky. Uh, Emerson, speaking of getting frisky, the World Series is getting played tonight. What do people need to know going into game one? As this will be a maligned game from the outside for not Mm. being interesting enough for some people. But we know there's actually a lot of good in here. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Diamondbacks, Rangers, it's going to get started tonight in Texas. By the way, if you called this matchup before the season, you're either lying or now you're filthy rich because rich. Yeah. <laughs> I believe it was like 17, like 50 to 1 that this was going to be the matchup. My guess is that's down on the board. But these two teams have thrived throughout the postseason as being underdogs, guys. Combined, 14 and 2 on the road. So there are some great storylines besides everyone obsessing over TV ratings like all of a sudden. But yeah, game one tonight, man. Should be a good one. Uh, I, I Listen, I, I know I'm looking forward to it. Texas, uh, uh, what they've done to get the way their yep. season ended in August and September and then the postseason has been up, down, mostly obviously up for where they are. Interesting bullpen for them. Bochy's did a good job of kind of managing that. That's been where they've been thin. And watch for the Diamondbacks to run second in Major League Baseball and stolen bases for the year. First in the postseason, they have 16 stolen bases. So this is a team that is going to be on their horse running. Yeah, Cattell Marte was, uh, I believe, the MVP of the uh, LCS round there. On their side, 19 hits in 12 postseason games. Uh, Corbin Carroll, we we talked about early in the postseason, a guy kind of making that star turn right now. Certainly has the potential there. But, guys, you know I'm really only in this for one reason, right? What? The Texas Rangers and Creed. Yeah! yeah. Hello, my friend. We'll meet again. Let's go. I'm not going to give away too much yet because I want to make sure it's going to get here in time. But Halloween is coming up next week. And let's just say... There's a little something here for the true Creed fans out there who understand the rich history of this band's crossover with the sports world. And so, again, Emerson, yeah, I see you getting hot and bothered. Yeah, my nipples. I feel it, too. Oh, wow. There we go. Thank you. That's kind of an all-the-time thing. Oh, my God. Halloween all planned out there in a way that should make the Rangers very, very Hey, listen, happy, man. It's so. the time of year we can get away with, like, completely being weird and people like, oh, it's just like Halloween, you know? <laughs> like, it's no. All I got to say is spooky season. That's it. <laughs> oh, yeah, spooky season. That's all. You can do witch stuff. All and bi- and give, out, give out big candy bars or I got something for you. Mm-hmm. That is true. The rule, the Golic rules of Halloween will be coming up here yep. very shortly. Okay. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, 
clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.